Well, good evening, church family. Uh, it's good to be with you all here tonight. Um, I do want to take a moment to thank my good friend Kenny uh, for stepping in uh, once again. Uh, last week for me at least, I know he did it once for Mark uh, a few weeks ago, but thank you Kenny for uh, stepping in and I uh, thought I had COVID last week, but thankfully tested negative. And uh, but just wanted to save us all the, the burden of the, the cough that I had going on uh, last week. And so just grateful for Kenny. I know you all were, were blessed through uh, his message from last Sunday. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 is where we'll be for the next few minutes together. Uh, one of the New Testament epistles, one of the letters written by the Apostle Paul to uh, specifically the church of Colossae. And so one of my all-time favorite letters in the New Testament that we see from the Apostle Paul, so much uh, richness and so much uh, doctrine that we see in this incredible and short letter. And uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 that we're going to be reading here together is really, the, is really Paul's purpose in, in writing this letter to the church uh, itself. Um, if, you, if you study through Colossians, really these two verses that we're reading together tonight are really why Paul wrote this, this letter. And so read this with me. It says this in verse 6 and 7. Paul says, Therefore, as he received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for uh, just this moment that we have together. God, I thank you for this sanctuary. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body of believers that we've gathered here tonight to sit under your word and to come together to worship you. Father, I pray over these next few moments together that you will just speak to us through your holy word. God, that you will convict us where we need to be convicted. God, you will encourage us in our walks with you. And God, you will challenge us as we walk out of this place here tonight in our, in our faith and in our walks with you, Father. God, be with us together now. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. When I was 11 years old, um, on Christmas morning, I was given an incredible gift. Incredible gift. I was given a, my very own puppy. I'm, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge dog person, all right? I had dogs growing up throughout my childhood. I have a dog now that I, I love dearly. But when I was 11 years old, my family gave me my very own puppy. Now, I didn't have to pay for uh, the vet bills, and I didn't pay for the dog food and those kinds of things as an 11-year-old uh, kid. But it was my responsibility for my dog to, to walk him, to bathe him, to clean up after him, uh, to feed him, you, you, you name it. So that I had responsibilities as an 11-year-old uh, kid. And I'm almost embarrassed to tell you guys this, but because of how creative I, that I am, right, I was 11 years old and I was given the privilege, the opportunity to name this dog, okay? Now remember, I got this dog on Christmas morning. This is gonna be a fun fact about Ryan Gray. I was given the privilege of naming my dog, and because I'm creative, I named my dog Christmas. Literally, I, I got my very own Labradoodle. That was his name, Christmas. And after a couple of days, I thought, well, that's kind of dumb, you know? So we, we shortened his name to Chris. So fun fact, so we called him Chris, but his full name, whenever I would take him to the vet, 
they were like, is Christmas ready to be seen? So that was just always an embarrassing thing going through middle school and high school um, when, I, when my family would take our dog to the vet. But Chris, nonetheless, he was, he was a great dog. Um, he was a big puppy, and he grew into a very large labradoodle. Um, and, and one thing Chris and I did every single day when I got home from school is I would try my best to take him on a walk. Now, Chris was a dog who was extremely ADD, uh, like most puppies at an early age. But Chris, like seriously, he was like the most ADD dog you've ever met in your life. Um, every, I mean, we're going on a walk, and it's like every blade of grass, every pebble in the road, every bird in the sky, every squirrel in the tree. I mean, he was distracted literally by everything. Maybe you have dogs like that in this room today. Um, but he was distracted by everything. And when, we, when I would go on a walk with Chris, what would happen, and maybe you've been in this moment as you're walking your dog, as he's getting distracted, he is going in every single direction you can imagine, except for the one that I'm trying to get him to go on, okay? And what happens when your dog is trying to do that, what happens is they're getting tangled in the leash. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you're having to bend over constantly, consistently to untangle your dog because he's getting tripped up. And it's just really making your walk with your dog very, like, just unenjoyable for you. Um, But Chris, he learned as he matured into his his doghood, if you will, uh, as he kind of matured and grew into just a very large Labradoodle. And as I trained him and disciplined him, he learned over the years to walk step and step and step with me as his master. And he just learned that extremely well over the years and took a lot of discipline, took a lot of training in how he was called to walk beside me. Now we get to this text here in Colossians chapter 2. And Paul, the main imperative, the main command that Paul gives to the Colossians in this text, in this verse we just read together, is walking in Jesus. That we have been called to walk and step and step and step with our maker, with our, with our Lord, Jesus Christ. And many of us have to get that straight here tonight, that we've been called to walk next to Jesus. And so that's what I want to focus in on here together for the next few minutes uh, as we study God's word together. Um, But I think it's important to understand exactly what's uh, taking place, because as we get to this verse, this is, again, this is Seminary 101. This is the most cliche thing a preacher can say here tonight. But if you see the word, therefore, you need to ask the question, what's it there for? Thank you. Thank you, Sunday night crowd. Um, You need to ask the question, what is it there for? Important question here tonight. So uh, again, this is the purpose of Paul writing this letter. Now in Colossians chapter one, uh, Paul kind of introduces why he's writing this letter, if you will. And so he spends time in Colossians one addressing the Colossians and he's thanking them for their firmness, their steadfastness in their faith in Jesus. This was a church who was committed to their walk in Christ Jesus. They were firm in their faith. They were bearing fruit. Um, They were walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And Paul spends time in chapter one, uh, encouraging them, uh, challenging them to continue pressing in and pressing on to who God has called them to be and what God has called them to do. And Paul thanks them for their partnership in the gospel. Paul spends time in Colossians 1 um, praying for them that they will continue bearing more fruit and they'll continue to remain firm in their faith. And then we kind of jump down to a very familiar, famous passage in Colossians 1, verses 15 through 23, which really is where, where Paul addresses the question of who is Jesus. 
And, and he, he kind of goes into some descriptions, um, some examples of, of, who, of who Jesus is. And we're given these, these uh, pictures of the fact that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That Jesus holds all things together. That Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. That Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. That Jesus is the one who is the beginning and the end. And so we're given this beautiful picture of, of Paul elaborating on who Jesus is. And he spends so much time talking about who Jesus is there in, in the first chapter because of what he says in chapter 2, verse 4. Look at this. Paul says, I say this, I say all of these things about Jesus, of who he is and his person. In verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, Paul was in prison, he says, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, therefore, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You see, there was a problem with the church of Colossae in this particular moment, friends, This was a moment, this was a time in this context where there were false teachers coming into this setting, coming into this context, coming into this specific church, and they were preaching a false message. You see, Paul spends so much time focusing in on the deity and the humanity and the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ because there were false teachers coming into this church and denying who Jesus was. They were denying that Jesus is sufficient for your salvation. They were denying that Jesus is God himself. Red flags. And so Paul writes this letter to combat these false teachers, to encourage the Colossians to remain firm and steadfast in what they've been taught and who they believe in. And so Paul says, because there's people coming in, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. And so you see this parallel here, this relationship between receiving Christ and now walking in Christ. If you've received Christ, you're called to walk in Christ. If you're walking in Christ, you've received Christ. You see this parallel, this relationship here in this, in this text. And what I love here too is that, is that Paul doesn't just say you've received Christ Jesus, but what does he say? He says, you've received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now that has huge implications here for tonight because if you're here tonight, if you've received Jesus, you've truly received the Lord. And and Paul wants the Colossians to understand this, to know this, because remember in chapter one, he spent so much time talking about the supremacy of Christ and the lordship of Jesus because when you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, that means he is Lord over your life, every aspect of your life, your marriage, your finances, your parenting, your decisions, your job. He is Lord over it all. And so Paul is saying, as you've received that Christ Jesus by grace through faith, so now walk in him by faith. You see the relationship there? That if you've received Christ, you're called now to walk. And so that walk there is that main imperative, that main command in this text. And that word walk is found throughout Scripture, right? It's, it's really this, this word that just kind of relates to our relationship with Jesus and how one person conducts their life in light of the fact of how they've received Jesus. 
And so the, he commands them to walk. You know, I've said this before as I've preached in, in different sermons, but I hope and pray tonight you could stand here with me and say that you want your life to look more like Jesus tomorrow than it did today. That as for the life of the believer, you are consistently growing and being conformed more into the image of Jesus. That we are on this journey of pursuing holiness and godliness as the believer in a world that desperately needs to see it. That you could stand here tonight and say, I want to follow Jesus with everything. I want to take the next right steps of obedience, as Pastor Mark reminds us each and every week. That we want our life to be modeling the life of Jesus. That you want your life to look more like Jesus. And that Paul is, is encouraging and challenging these Colossians to do that very thing. To continue walking, to keep pointing people to Jesus, to keep your uh, faith rooted in the things that you've been taught. And so again, he says, conduct your life in this manner. And so how do, we, how do we do this? What does this practically look like in our life? So Paul kind of gives some, some illustrations, some, some metaphors here of, of what that walking looks like in our own lives. And if I could summarize again, what is, what's really the main, the main point, the main idea of what's taking place here in this text is it's very simple, and I've already stated this, but a life that's received Christ the Lord is to live a life that walks in Christ the Lord. That, that's the main, that's the simple main point for tonight if you're a believer in here. But what does this look like? Number one, it looks like being rooted in Christ. Paul says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So number one, this word rooted. This is something that took place in the past. And so if you are here tonight, you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, I have good news for you that you are rooted in Jesus, and that nobody can uproot you from that, that you cannot be uprooted from your salvation. I love in Scripture the picture that we're given of what being rooted looks like, just this, this, this image of a tree being planted and being rooted in rich soil beside streams of living, running water. Just a beautiful picture, right? And, and just like that picture of a tree taking root in rich soil with streams of living water, that you and I, if we've received Christ the Lord, that we have been rooted in Jesus, the person of Jesus. Our roots are grounded and firm and strong in who Christ Jesus is. And we are receiving our, our life, our growth, our nutrients, if you will, from Jesus himself. And so Paul is saying to the Colossians, this is your foundation and he elaborates on this and says, build upon the foundation that was set before you when you gave your life to Jesus. Like a tree being rooted, continually root yourself in the living word of God. Continually root yourself in biblical community, in corporate worship. Continually root yourself in your prayer life. Continue rooting yourself in who God has called you to be and what God has called you to do. This, this walking with Jesus looks like somebody who's rooted in Jesus. Number two, Paul gives this other metaphor. He says being built up in him. This is the second example that Paul gives. And this is kind of like this construction metaphor, if you will. This, uh, you're, you're, we're called to be building upon the foundation that was set before us, that we've been established in. And I think it's important to note that, that God is the one that's, that's building us up. It's we're taking root in Jesus. He is building us up. 
for the life of the believer, as I said, that you should have this desire and this ambition and this goal in your life to, to say, God, I want you to continually build my life up in your name. I want my life to look more and more like this, your son Jesus each and every day as I live my life here on earth. I want to be more conformed and molded into the image of your son Jesus. If you've been a part of First Baptist for any amount of time, you know that we use the word build up here a lot. Because we, we believe firmly that we've been called to help equip you and to empower you through the work of the Holy Spirit to be built up in Jesus. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we have RAs and GAs, the different things that we offered to you, church family, so that you would be built up in Jesus. This is the discipleship process. And, and this word built up is this continuous action for the rest of your days here as the, for the believer. It's this daily walking and being built up in Christ. I think this, uh, this build up phrasing is, is very fitting, uh, if you will, for where we are as a church family right now. As you know, the Surf Pro has been here for more than I can count. I think it's like four months, maybe five, maybe going on five months. They've been here for a long time. And they've been, they've been reconstructing a lot of our church and, and doing a lot of different things. And as you, as you know, um, that next door in the main sanctuary, they, they took about three weeks and constructed and built up this scaffolding tower. And it's about as high as it can go, from what I can tell on Facebook. Um, I haven't been in there, but it, it, it's as high as it can go, possibly go in that room. It's almost to the ceiling. Just a, quite amazing as you get that picture there. And if there's one thing I know about construction projects, the little that I do know, that, there, that some construction projects, some are extremely fast and some are extremely slow, right? Like I think next door at the Montgomery Courthouse, they've been working on that awning for about three years. You know what I'm talking about? Like I think, I think they started that when I moved here almost four years ago. But they're, they're still working on it. And I haven't seen anybody working on it in the last year. Um, but some construction projects are fast and some... Um, take a long, long time. And I think, if we're being honest here tonight, that each of us are on a different spiritual journey with the Lord. And, that, and some of us, there's going to be moments in your life where the growth is extremely fast. But then there may be some moments in your life where you could say, you know what? I'm probably being honest. I haven't grown much this year. I've just been through a lot. There's been a lot of trials. There's been a lot of tribulation. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm praying that God continues to grow me up. And let me just encourage you, friends, that we're, we're all on that journey of, of, of being built up in Jesus. And it looks different for every believer in here, but we're all on that same journey of growing more into the image of Christ together. And, and I think if you were able to look inside your heart right now, you would see caution tape and orange traffic cones all around your heart, and it would say under construction. That God is continuously constructing you and, and building you up to the person he has called you to be and what he has called you to do with your life. That he is building you up in Christ Jesus. Number three, not only are we rooted and built up, but thirdly, we are established. And this is really just taking a next step in that built, building up process of being established in the faith just as you were taught. This, this, this is really kind of going into uh, not only knowing that you believe in Jesus, but knowing what you believe and, and, and why you believe it. Knowing the truth of the gospel, being established in the truth found in God's word, being firm, being steady, being grounded in what's found here. The truth of 
the gospel, this, this establishing of the faith is knowing biblical knowledge and biblical instruction. Establishing your faith is continuously being strengthened in your faith of certain of what you believe and why you believe it. I think for us here tonight, if we want to be established in our faith, if we want to be established in our walks with Jesus, if we want to look more and more like the image of Christ, we need to know the ways of Christ. We need to know what Christ said. We need to know how he lived and how he made decisions and what he's, the things he taught, how he spent his time. If we're going to conduct our, our own walks in Christ like that. And the way we do that is simply through his word. Knowing the life of Christ himself. And so Paul wanted these Colossians to know this because they were facing false teachers. And y'all, we live in a culture, we live in a world that's just the same. Where people are going to try to come into your path, into your context, into your world, if you will, and try to lead you and pull you astray from, from Jesus. To tell you that church isn't good, the Bible isn't good, Jesus isn't good, why are you following those things? And are you, my question to you is, are you going to be established in your faith to say, I will not waver. I'm rooted, I'm grounded in who Christ has called me to be and what he's called me to do. I'm an established disciple of Jesus. But then lastly, Paul concludes this thought by saying, abounding in thanksgiving. And, and, And this is really, if you will, this is almost a response to what Paul has been saying. He says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so now walk in him in light of the fact that you've received him, rooted, built up, established in the faith, just as, as you've been taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Just kind of get this picture of like a, a, a pool in your backyard just overflowing with water, just constantly overflowing. That would, that would be really bad for your backyard. But just this picture of, of a pool overflowing with water, this is the image that we are to have in our life with Christ, in our hearts, with this, this overflowness of gratitude and, and thankfulness. To live a life overflowing with thankfulness, a thankful heart for all that God has done, is doing, and will continue to do because of his faithfulness. And I, I just want to encourage you to remind you tonight that abounding in thanksgiving, it, it is possible. It, it is possible for you tonight. It just takes a different perspective. It just takes looking through the lens of Christ and through his word. You can abound in thanksgiving even in the midst of difficult days. You can abound in thanksgiving even in the midst of tragedy and trials and tribulation. You can abound in thanksgiving. It just takes a different perspective. Some things that help me is is being rooted and reminding myself of who I am in Christ Jesus of reminding myself of who Jesus is and that he is my living hope, that he is the giver of my life, that he is the breath in my lungs, that the Lord Jesus knows me, that the Lord Jesus sees me, that the Lord Jesus hears me, that he's with me, that he goes before me, that he loves me. Knowing that Jesus paid the ultimate price for my sin, I can abound in thanksgiving because of those truths that I'm established in, that I'm rooted in. That knowing that in Christ there is victory, that in Christ there is freedom, that in Christ there is purpose, that in Christ there is grace. This type of thanksgiving that Paul is speaking of is possible for those who have received Christ Jesus the Lord. And so friends, I just want to encourage you and challenge you in, in this truth here tonight. 
to walk in these truths. If you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, walking in Christ is not a cakewalk. It's not a sprint. Oftentimes it's compared to being a marathon. And, and if we're just being honest with ourselves here tonight, that there's, there are going to be moments that are extremely joyful in your journey. But there's also going to be, there's going to be moments that are extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. But either way, can I, just, can I just remind you of the truth that the Lord is with you and then he goes before you? That the God of this universe the God who is the beginning and the end, the God who is our sustainer, our provider, our healer, our protector, our creator. He is with you and if you've received Christ, he has poured his spirit out upon you and so you can walk out of this place tonight in victory because of who you are in Jesus. And I think it's encouragement to see you all here tonight to know that we're not walking out of here alone, but we're walking out of here together. And that we can, we can face on, we can, we can face this life knowing that we are surrounded with a body of Christ walking and pursuing Jesus together. Even when false teachers come, even when the culture says reject Jesus, that we can walk out of here standing firm in who God has called us to be and what he's called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we, we give this to you tonight. Father, I pray for us that we will walk out of here asking the question, just evaluating our own lives, God, of, of how our own walks with you are going. God, as your word tells us, if we've received you as our Lord, that God, we're to continually walk in you. It's, it's this reminder of the identity we have in you, God, and the purpose and the mission that you've called us to be a part of in our culture, in our context, in our world, in our schools, in our jobs, in our families. God, in every aspect of our life, you are Lord over it all, and we have been called to continuously walk in you. God, I, I pray that you help us to do that. You equip us, you empower us, you give us the strength that comes from you to do that here uh, tonight. God, I pray that our, our world will see Jesus in us. God, we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.